Hello, good afternoon. Um, I'm glad you could join me on this broadcast. It's just me. I'm here in service to you. Um, I am deep in service. I'm deep in debt to you, the audience member. No, not, not really so much, I wouldn't say. I don't know. That I feel indebted to the audience? Don't ask me that question. Please don't ask me that. It's a trying time. Do I feel indebted to the people to whom I speak? Hmm. That's food for thought. Just give it your all of food for thought. Give it your best food for thought. Give your food for thought abundantly. Uh, did you guys release your inhibitions, feel the rain on your skin yet today? So if not, there's probably still time, unless this is like before midnight. You like to listen to my podcast at 11.59 p.m. With a, with a couple of shots of Jack Daniels. That's what you like, if that's what you like to do, I mean, I'm not going to, like, okay, I guess that's something that you, that someone did. Like, oh, you like to, I like to take a couple shots and listen to that. That's not, that's beyond me. I don't have an answer for, I don't have an answer for what way. I don't even listen to anybody else's podcast. That's a, that's an something I admit. I don't really listen to any podcasts. You guys, somebody should uh, send me a podcast. You can just text me if you have my number. Just send me a pod, tell me a podcast. Uh, just send me a text. Or, so, or anything like that. Maybe I just... Uh, I'm going to upload all of these to YouTube. And then you can uh, write in the comments. Whenever this episode ends up on YouTube. I don't know how many weeks away that would be. Because I haven't put any of them up yet. But uh, that's just because I'm, I'm lazy. Um, lazy is, a, is more of a lifestyle. It's important for me to talk about uh, current events, as it is important for everybody. Um, you guys wanna, uh, remember when Lost was on and everyone was like, do you see Lost last night? And then it was like when 24 was on, everyone was like, did you watch 24 yesterday? Those were some cool times, I'd say. The 2000s for TV. Lots of CSI, lots of CSI Miami, but CSI regular with no colon in the title, and CSI, what, Seattle? Did they do CSI Lincoln, Nebraska? CSI Plainfield, Oregon. CSI, the middle of a lake. Any lake, CSI, the middle of a lake. CSI Miami, CSI Science Team, CSI uh, Physiology Report. There's CSI Colorado State, um, CSI BYU. That was a really good one. All of them aired on CBS, all of them network television. If you remember anything about 2000s TV, which if you don't, then I you're probably better off. 2000s where uh, people actually still relied on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox for most of their TV watching. That was a different time. It's a good thing that we don't have to do that anymore. There's like CSI Alcoholics Anonymous and CSI Special Victims Uniform. And um, wasn't it? There's a lot of CSI shows. There's just a lot of crime shows because I guess everybody couldn't get enough of crime in their lives. Well, there's just lots of crime. You know, all those, uh, whatever, like shows where a woman killed their husband, snapped, and uh, any one of those shows, anything on Forensic Files, all that murder stuff of real life homicide. And then all the crime shows that people watched in the decade 2000 to 2010 involving the same thing, like like petty homicidal murders or like tragic ones. Or, you know, just crimes, disappearances. So many shows about disappearance and crime. Because that's what that's what the news was about, 2000 to 2010. 
not that it's not about that now it's always been about that but it's just reflective of it's reflective of how much the local news permeated society and uh decided what their fears were like that's still the thing now like people still watch plenty of those shows i'd say it's most of the people that watch the shows though are people who believe more so in the local news or just are from a generation where they would believe the local news not that you have to be old or young to believe it but most it would be mostly older people that would depend somewhat on the local news but they're the ones that fed all the content like the popularity for crime shows and uh, disappearance shows and snapped shows real life murder stuff there's just uh there's just that non-stop there's so much programming for that but like probably people in their 40s and 50s consume a lot of that stuff because that's what they like like that's the kind of fear that they like to get into or whatever but like that's just what what the world's reflected to them that they should be afraid of and like that's what that's how it goes that's why uh that stuff is so popular and producers make more of it it's kind of artistic like it feeds into whatever your view of art is at at a given point in time where like where your where your opinion on art is going to be uh your opinion on art is going to be reflective of of yourself but like that just that would speak to what america's opinion of art is at that given point in time because all the shows that are made artistically for uh, for entertainment purposes, but they're made artistically like they're made to be popular or something. Like they are, uh, like TV shows are art generally or film, and they're meant to say something about society that reflects society. And so the country's art is was those narrations. Uh, the country's art was those narrations at that time like 2000 to 2015 especially just whatever decade or period of time you'd associate the strongest with crime shows and vanishing shows and stuff like that that's just reflective of the art of the time that's their artistic view is uh they they find value and meaning in a disappearance would an old like a generation above mine generally speaking or just people who consume lots of local news to and do it just to hear about the homicides and that kind of thing i mean that's part of why you listen to it you want to hear these mysterious things but you would say that it's more uh you're looking for some sort of enjoyment out of it when you also factor in how widespread the crime show and vanishing show uh channels are like how spread widespread that programming is that it appeals to an older generation but a generation that's more likely to consume local news where it's local news just composed of all the worst uh horrific things possible so i guess you'd say that there's something there's something to say about how art is associated with horror in that sense or maybe that generation likes horror more or something like that or they can't uh but if they like horror more than that's that's just what they would that's what they would find artistically valuable i think that i feel like younger generations almost find embarrassment more artistically valuable like that's more reflective of the art of this time period or like uh closer to it's at least it's sort of closer to embarrassment than it used to be, but it's closer to embarrassment than horror, I would say. I don't know. I don't know what, like, uh, embarrassment. That people would be, people are interested in, in embarrassment. Like, that's probably what I want to talk about, embarrassment. I guess, like, what am I saying? I think that my generation and younger is interested in embarrassment over horror, but, like, that would be more reflective of their art or what they would fix on in a horrific fashion. That's what they think is horrible. But uh, it's like that would take the place of whatever the generation above mine thought was horrible and, like, crime and uh, murder because an older generation likes crime and murder because it's... Because it emphasizes randomness and they can't accept randomness like they don't uh, because I'd say that they're relatively more religious about things. Uh, superstitious about things is uh, a generation above mine. 
generally speaking. And so they don't really see how randomness, like they look for patterns and everything maybe is something like it, or they live by patterns or live, they're more traditional. The generation above mine is more traditional and more, they're going to, they're more loyal to a party. They're like more loyal to a Democrat or Republican party. Um, they're more loyal to their identities. They're more stuck in their ways, but like, as they are older, but they are older at this point. Like, even if you just say all old people are stuck in their ways, then that does apply to uh, the generation above mine because they are old. So they're stuck in their ways. They're more committed to their identities. But I feel like that's just an attribute of the generation above mine. They're just more, uh, they're more committed to their identities. They're more loyal. They're more, they're going to stay at their jobs longer or they did when they did work because loyalty used to be a bigger value back then. Loyalty isn't as much of value anymore. And, uh, but I'm just talking about how loyalty is like traditionalism or if you're being traditional, uh, if you're an older person who likes traditions more, it's kind of like speaks to your loyalty. You want to, you want to stay consistent with the same thing or uh you want to say consistent with loyalty the same thing you want to keep going with the same thing because you're committed to it you're committed you're loyal to your traditions if you have them and so a generation above mine i'd say is more loyal and like they're more loyal and they so more consistent to what they're sticking with more consistent with their identities they would say uh they would say that you're not allowed to be lots of different things more so. I don't know. Just more committed to who they already are. And uh, so I don't know why that would cause them not to not like randomness or have a problem with randomness. I don't know. They definitely, they, they don't believe in randomness just because of scientific reasons. Like an older generation, if they're more traditional or more religious, they... Uh, they don't believe in randomness because they think everything has a plan. Like you don't have to be uh, one religion specifically. It's just that if you are more religious, you kind of think there's a plan to your life. Or just if you believe in God, you think that there's something calling you and that there's some sort of purpose for all of us. If you just believe in God. And, uh, but that would cause you to have a problem with randomness if you think that everything has a plan. And so that's why you would feast on randomness as an older generation, because it's like antithetical to your character. But that's like, what's horrific for you is, uh, is murder and death and randomness that happens in the world. Like, because you can't accept that being, thinking that everything has a plan or like giving value to all these people or like seeing yourself as loyal to people more so or strangers, uh, like putting value in a person enough to just be really shocked by disappearance or you just like don't accept that people do that you don't accept that level of negativity in other people would also as a reason also as a result of you being religious like you don't accept that level of negativity it's harder to wrap your brain around that people are that awful because you kind of attribute everybody some level of like well they are good uh, eternally they are good anyway like but they'll make mistakes but everybody is good like you kind of I would say I would say I would interpret Christianity as you should see everybody as good but they like Christians act as if they see everybody as good because they they aim to be that when people walk into church generally speaking like it's the it's a stereotype that oh Christians are actually way more judgmental like the like they're hypocritical like they're they're judgmental when they preach kindness or something like that's a stereotype but it's uh it's not it's pretty false because it's actually the case that at christian churches they want you there all the time like if you walk in they do want you to stay they want their church to get bigger they want you there they'll but the thing is they'll always accept you they'll always accept you no matter what but uh, that's a part of them thinking that everybody is good. You don't like as a Christian church, you take in anybody because you're like, oh, everybody's good. It's like a, you don't you're not like uh, at least once they're in the church, once they're in the church, then you can shit on them probably once they've been there long enough. But if somebody comes to the door, then uh, like you let them in they you can walk in like christianity is that to the rest of the world the rest of the world can walk right in whenever and then they are 
in church. You know, you're part of that group just by showing up. You're part of being a Christian just by showing up, uh, pretty much. So it's open to anybody. So Christians kind of assume anybody to be good. They assume as many people to be good as they would allow in the church. And I'd say generally speaking, most churches just open their doors to anybody. Like it's not that they they don't turn people away. Only if they're like really, really conservative do they put bad vibes towards the people that walk in, but still anybody can walk in, you know? Like it's just for anybody. Like so if you're religious, you if you're more religious, you think you're more inclined to think that everybody is good. You just attribute everybody like good intentions at the end of the day, like they they'll mean well. So it's like anybody come in the doors because you do that as uh, like speaking, especially from uh, Christian churches. They Christian churches let everybody in because they think if somebody walks in their doors, it's part of God's plan that they're there. If they are there, then it's because God chose them. So they think they're just waiting for all the people chosen by God to show up at church. But that can be anybody because you're giving that responsibility to God. It can be any, you're saying God chose, so you, God is uh, central to every, he's omnipotent, omniscient omnipresent and he knows he's sovereign and knows everything so if he brings somebody to your door then of course that's who should be there because they showed up according to god like and so like god has that power he sees everybody and so because of that you just see anybody coming in as good because you assume god is doing the right thing um but uh that can cause you to do that in other areas of your life like you see everybody as good and then so and so it's really confusing when somebody commits a sin like beyond the threshold of good like they do something so bad that you uh that they aren't being you can't equate that with you attributing them some kind of goodness like they do something that's absolutely bad and uh, like murder somebody or kidnap somebody and then that's just shocking to you that people are like that in real life like but uh yeah, so like that, it's, uh, I just, I'm just saying that you, if you think everybody is good, you don't allow people to be bad. Like, people are bad, not just people out in the world, but also people in the Christian church. Like, everybody is bad. They have some amount of bad in them. And it's just some people are at the high end of scale of bad, some people are at the high end scale of good. It's not like majority good. I'd say it's half bad, half good. It's, pro it's probably closer to the thing uh, because bad qualities bad qualities just happen like people are angry people maintain contain bad qualities and if you don't let yourself have bad qualities they're just like they just frustrate you behind the scenes or something they just make you angry like uh people have bad qualities and so some people are at the high end and then they murder somebody so but i'm just saying it's more difficult to get to the point where you accept that people have absolutely bad qualities if you do think most people are good already but it would just it's hard for you to accept randomness if like because randomness is just there is no god if people if it's true that people are dying randomly and like that's what it looks like when all these murders are just of regular people and everybody that dies is like just a loving husband that a great pillar of the community that everybody is so shocked that they died or so shocked as a serial killer like regular people are always the serial killers and it presents for a, it makes for a lot of horrifying storylines uh, when you when you're already confused by randomness because that would be like out of bounds of what you think is even possible is why it would be something that's it's why it would be so interesting to consume that kind of content but I guess that's kind of what ends up being popular is stuff that is outside of the bounds of what you think is possible but uh, like that you make a popular work of art like a popular TV show or something. It's something that people didn't realize was possible beforehand. It's some innovation on what used to exist that is innovative in a way that people like uh, that, or maybe it's just really innovative and then therefore is just like a blast of energy from somewhere else that you hadn't thought of before. But like if you make a new movie that's just sort of an accumulation of previous movies that the director was using as points of reference to uh bring together to uh make the new movie like this the movie any movie that's made is just composite of characteristics of other movies generally because whatever director made that movie 
grew up watching a certain set of movies that influenced him. He has to know what a movie is. And so whatever movies the directors grew up watching, like whatever the set of them is, it's going to strongly influence their opinion on what a movie is supposed to be besides just uh, what their characteristics are. But as people, um, so like if you make a work of art, you make uh you're trying to make something that's popular, but it kind of depends on your motivation. I think ultimately you kind of want to make something that's popular. It's just that there's a lot of people that would rather make, well, you would rather make something really of strong artistic value, but a lot of times those things rise to the top or are what's standing when you look back 30 years later is like the thing you still remember like the stuff that has the strongest artistic value is already the stuff that's most remembered anyway like is more popular long term like so what do you call that would you call its uh, longevity to be the same as its popularity i'm just really interested in popularity like, would you call something's longevity the same as its popularity? Uh, longevity, popularity. Well, popularity can just refer to any period of time, but longevity is always a long period of time. So it's like, it's not the same thing. Like popularity kind of encompasses longevity, I feel like, because you'd still say something that lasted 40 years was really popular, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say Pink Floyd was really popular, even though they weren't the most popular at the time? Or were they the most popular? Were they always the most popular? But if they were always the most popular, if they're the most popular from the beginning, Pink Floyd, uh, but then even 30 years later, people say they're the best band ever, or at least one of the best ever, then like that really showcases their their popularity in more than one way, but I feel like they got sort of popular by the 80s, probably. They probably got at least really, but it's just a matter of were they really popular when they were making things. I think that that's true too. It's just that like there's a lot of good music at the time. And so maybe uh, they didn't, a lot of good music at the time, so maybe they didn't stand out quite right away, but like people ended up buying all of their albums eventually. I feel like The Wall was a famous movie, so I think people, I think that they were already famous while they were still making albums. But you're, but that's just, that speaks to your, uh, like what's, it's weird that what's popular to you could be something that's an absolute fear, like it is with the older generation that I'm talking about, that like, that generates a lot of the content that they would watch, besides like, they watch sports a ton, sure like they watch sports it's probably more women that watch uh crime shows well like anybody watches a csi like a lot of older people watch csi it's more women that would watch like a woman killing their husband show <laughs> or uh or any uh, any of those shows it is more women that like women killing their husband shows like it's like oh who knew that that was a possibility and they just can't get enough of it they're like what if <laughs> Like you're just trying to you're trying to take on the central this main character. Like, oh, I just wanna be one with the narration of this story. I just wanna put myself in her shoes, see uh see what happens. I just wanna feel what she feels, this woman that killed her husband. Uh I guess that's what I guess that's what's going on with the snapped. Cause it's probably mostly moms that watch Snapped. They're like, oh, wow, this is the only thing bringing joy to my life is the thought of killing my husband. Like, that's probably their favorite show. <laughs> There's moms all across the country, like, Snapped is their favorite show, and they're, like, they're just watching it to think about possibilities, think of a different life or something like that. But that's me. It's not totally that, but, yeah, maybe it is totally that. Huh, I wonder what that they could think of... Like, what is a life totally different from this? I know. A life where I kill my husband. This, so then that feeds directly into what they find artistic. They're like, oh, that's perfect. Like an absolute uh, change in the way that things are. So that image and that portrait of it is would be like interesting to moms because they would think, 
I, I could see how I could totally change my life. Like, oh, that is a actual way out. See that all these regular women that killed their husband. Oh, wow. That's amazing that like that kind of evil can exist in women. I wonder what it takes to be like that. Huh? I wonder what I can, if I can add any of that to my own life. Hmm. I mean, they just admire it and most like they're not, they just admire it. It's not like they're going to actually do it or anything. They're just like, Oh, I wonder, but not that they're going to say that they admire it. They just do admire it. And they're just like, like to watch it. A lot of moms probably that are married, probably just like to watch that just to, just to see, just, Oh, I like, let's see what that's about. Just to see, just to feel that like this real life story of that thing happening. But everybody, male and female, watch a lot of forensic files, a lot of law and order, a lot of CSI, this crime scene and, and maybe, and disappearance. Just so much disappearance stuff. Like, that's the most horrific thing that they could imagine. But that's what the news catered to. Like, they, the news catered to that generation or whatever their audience is that consumes that, which is generally the generation above mine. They cater to that by providing that entertainment. Like, they have to meet the people where they're at. But, like, that's something they found out about the populace is that they really like to consume crime. And, like, that's what became popular, but they need to... They, uh, they're in the business of making money, whoever, like, whoever in Hollywood is producing this stuff. So they aim to make something popular. And I guess just like whatever is popular is, is stuff that you think is hard to imagine stuff that is that before you saw it wasn't imaginable to you. Like it has to open your mind up in order for it to be interesting to you. And then it has to open up the mind of an entire country in order for it to be like, have high Nielsen ratings be a popular TV show. But, uh, but it could be popular for a year, be really popular for a year and then die away. Just the same way as same way as anything, like anything has maybe only lasts for a year any fad like uh spinner rims or those shoes that have spinner rims in them or silly bands but i'm just thinking of fidget spinners fidget spinners or, or whatever anything that only lasts for a year some things just only last for a year it's the same with a word like fantabulous like that only that lasted for a year and then we're like no nobody say that anymore but like uh Stuff like that. Like a word can can last for a single year. Uh, the same way, like your picture of art can last for a single year too. Like whatever the generation above mine. But they kept it going for a whole decade. Like that's how long they wanted to consume crime and uh, and uh, disappearance shows. They still wanna they still wanna consume it because it's still central to the narratives of their life. Where like, uh, as long as they're trying to think of something unimaginable they they have to go to the length of thinking of like their what it would be like if their kids were kidnapped or got murdered or something like for whatever reason that's something they're interested in thinking about or watching on tv so that's kind of what's but then the art the creators of it the creators of it are the artists uh producing it for people for art consumers you know the people making it are artists and they reflect the art of the time it's just that in this period of time we consume tv shows and films and rather than paintings and sculptures and that kind of thing like this period is just music films and tv but now it's getting into podcasts and like just stuff on the web youtube channels like different slightly slightly different mediums of the same thing because youtube is like a tv show like if you have a youtube channel but it's slightly different uh just so art as a whole evolves like that uh where it used to be film but now it's evolving into a more internet influenced set of mediums of entertainment like uh, podcasts youtube stuff just anything you can do on the internet like it's the same with music the music industry what's popular for music is artistically is evolving into internet influenced music uh is pretty much all the best music or like it's starting to become the only new music that you can find is 
uh, electronic or made on a computer in some way. It's just more that way, or it's hip hop or R and B or something. You know, it's uh, everything is more internet influenced music wise, artistically. It's the same with it's the same with the mediums of entertainment that we consume that used to that are replacing cable channels and uh, TV, just regular TV, like. We uh, we're evolving in that way. Like that's what we're. I'm saying that art as a whole. What you find popular, art as a whole, evolves the same way that um, different generations evolve, and different generations bring to light new forms of art, but also new uh, pieces of art within the forms of art, like. My generation consumes different kinds of TV shows, but just like people on YouTube now, and that's what is reflected in art for uh, my generation. So my generation likes to see other people just talking as regular people because that's an answer to uh, all the drama and sensationalism and the content that we had to watch growing up or that we were subjected to from the the generation above us like content that we wouldn't have liked because it's relatively false in these areas and so like my generation has evolved to say that we want a different kind of truth rather than what we saw was like false in whatever was consumed by the generation above mine like the false narratives and agendas in a local news or just in the tv shows themselves or but i'm just saying that I'm just I'm just trying to explain how art is kind of like popularity, but I'm saying that art is like popularity because whatever whatever the generation above mine found to be popular is also is what they're saying they found artistic because that's what's reflected in the art by the creators of it. So the creators of it make it, and they're the artists. And then the people who watch TV forever are the consumers of the art. But the artists now are people who make podcasts or people on YouTube channels, like people who have a podcast, people, uh, I don't know, like you would have to consider Joe Rogan an artist because that's like part of the art that we consume. Like podcasts is the art that we consume. We still consume music. Music really hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, music will probably always be popular. Um... Music will always be popular, so there's some forms of entertainment that are always popular, or it seems like they're like music is popular forever from since we first evolved, or like any tribe has always had music. Apparently, they have some form of music. Uh, I guess uh, even if it's just just playing drums, like music is always around. Music is always popular, or music is uh, has something to do with popularity, probably, like. Music has something to do with popularity. If it is always popular, it's like a medium that is always there. Uh, because, like, young people always like it. Young people always like new music. You have to be younger to like new music, I would say. Uh, but you'll always have young people. You'll always have new music. Like, you'll always have new generations that want to identify themselves certain ways. And, like, music has always been used by everybody. So it's not owned by any other generation. It's just available for any generation to express themselves within it. Like, music is always popular like that. And you can always you can always make music. But is there anything else like that that's always popular? It's like every other medium always changes. Like, dance is kind of the same way. Like, people... Going back many, many years, generation civilizations have always had dancing, apparently. But dancing isn't like, dancing isn't as universal. I mean, dancing isn't as popular as, as music, as listening to music. Listening to music has done a lot more. But I guess I was saying that it's like the genre that was most popular for the older generation to consume was horror, and then it kind of has transitioned into embarrassment or something like that. My generation and younger, just that they like to, uh, just that everybody likes Michael Scott, and Michael Scott routinely embarrasses himself. Like, Michael Scott routinely makes an ass of himself is what people like about it. Uh, because they like the idea with Michael Scott, people like the idea that from the office, 
the main character played by Steve Carell. People like the idea of Steve Carell, of Michael Scott, uh, fucking up, like doing the most embarrassing thing possible, but that's how they wrote the character. They wrote him to do the most embarrassing things in all these situations, like at uh, Diwali, like an Indian celebration, a holiday over in India that they celebrate for Hinduism. Like he goes there and is disrespectful to the culture, but he proposes to his girlfriend at a Diwali at a celebration of a holiday for an entirely different culture and country where everybody that's attending is from the other country. And he proposes to his girlfriend and she says no. And like that's, uh, it's just a lot of the episodes are like that. He just does the most embarrassing thing possible that you could imagine but he's just written to do that so that you can feed off of his embarrassment and like i think my generation likes that a lot because embarrassment is more a, is more a cardinal sin or it's been or like we came to believe that maybe through tv shows or something like maybe through the entertainment we we consumed growing up like we ended up thinking that embarrassment is a big deal because i feel like my generation is relatively more embarrassed than the generation above mine but maybe every generation is embarrassed the same i don't know like but we really like michael scott because he does the most unimaginable social uh thing actions like he does stuff that you are really really not supposed to do socially so it's not so much embarrassment as it is like social awkwardness that's a cardinal sin and maybe social awkwardness just wasn't a cardinal sin to the generation above mine but to my generation like awkwardness is uh evil it's like we don't we don't like awkwardness at all we don't like people who are awkward <laughs> Uh, or people that cause you to cringe. It's like the it's that principle. That's what I'm talking about. Cringing or awkwardness. Like uh, that's the worst thing possible. That's why people make so much about cringe and why we consume so much cringe content or why we make so much out of celebrities doing things that make you cringe. Or it's just everybody like PewDiePie has built most of his empire just on cringe videos. Like or not most of it, but I, he used to play video games. But he's done lots of those. He does a lot of cringe videos, memes. Like, uh, he does mostly memes. He does meme review videos. Uh, but memes, memes are kind of like that, that we make fun of people that sh should be embarrassed about things, or just like we like to shit on people for them trying to be something. Like, uh, that, that, re that reflects some sort of relationship to embarrassment where you want to defeat it like that. That we make a meme out of anybody who is sort of out of place or sort of awkward or like uh, did something funny or memorable like that's I guess that's why you call it a meme that's probably related as a mem because it is something that's memorable like it's a fitting term for that because a meme is something that's memorable enough that you want to make a meme out of it but in this day and age anything that becomes memorable pop culture wise for a number of days is something you make a meme out of so a meme is just kind of like a reflection it's kind of like headlines for what was popular it's it's modern day headlines are memes just regular headlines that you don't have to read further into they're just storylines but but storylines that are better than mainstream media storylines or any media outlet storylines because they're storylines that are just central to pop culture that are a storyline through it that is like historically what would be remembered is uh one of the most popular memes or something that's what people would remember in something it's just a it's a memorable thing to it's it's it was a memorable event if you if there are a lot of memes made out of it or you're a memorable person or did something memorable like and you can be memorable for a long time and hence continually generate memes like you'll be it's probably a good thing if memes are being made about you like you probably did something right you know uh but you probably did something right but you also had to sacrifice you probably had to put yourself in a position where you might look stupid because memes are about making fun of people's stupidity or awkwardness or it's or mistakes that they made too like you probably did 
like it, but my generation would be interested in blowing up somebody's mistake and like making and like uh, admiring somebody for it. That's that's what I'm talking about with a relationship to embarrassment. Is like we in my generation or Generation Z might admire somebody strongly for doing something that's objectively embarrassing, or like we're just interested in that in somebody who makes a mistake big enough that they're every meme or like a embarrassing gif or something like we know that it's embarrassing but it's kind of like my generation would celebrate embarrassment more too rather than that they just have a problem with it it's just more that they acknowledge it more my generation would than the generation above mine like but that's reflected in the art like in memes and uh memes and people's youtube channels like people often have to like ridicule themselves in their YouTube channels if they're somebody my age. That's like I'd say that that's true too because they can't. They're not allowed to take themselves seriously. Like uh, Cody Co and Noel Noel Miller and uh, Drew Gooden and Danny Gonzalez. Like those people that just uh, random regular youtube channel people that have a channel around them commenting on things because there's a bunch of those out there they all of those people i mentioned are generally my age but they have to like shit on themselves during all of their videos which is like something the generation above mine wouldn't think to do or wouldn't find valuable or important to do because they think it's valuable to stick behind an identity and not like they think honor is better than my generation does. My generation is more inclined to shit on everything because that's what we do through memes. Like, uh, but it makes it so that our identities would be more ambiguous than the generation above mine because we don't stand behind identities as much. We're not as loyal. We're not stuck with uh, the same job for as long. We like to try new things, but the internet has made it like our comprehension of the internet has brought to light lots of different viewpoints, you know, just that uh, my generation is more built on consuming lots of different uh, comedy content on YouTube growing up or just lots of uh, like YouTube makes it so that you can consume any content from any place in the world and so like a stronger comprehension of youtube in a younger generation would cause them to uh cause them to be reflecting their art in lots of different places rather than that they have certain rather than that they have specific things that they see their art in like popularity for my generation too is more ambiguous like it's spread out across all kinds of different vloggers and youtube channel people or podcasters or different like any show on netflix like whatever is popular is way more widespread because of the availability of so many different kinds of entertainment for my generation and so the popularity itself is more ambiguous you don't know what is popular whereas with a generation above mine you would know what was popular because everybody connected through the same cable shows because that was they were limited to that medium of entertainment for the most part like cable tv shows everybody watched cheers and mash uh but we don't do that anymore so like we don't in the same way that my generation has less strong an identity or that they would like they would revere a music and a band or a TV show. Like my generation doesn't revere a TV show as much. They shit on it with a meme because every, because the availability of all forms of entertainment, like every movie that's ever been made or listening to every song has just made it so that it's just made it so that to create stuff doesn't make you a big deal. Like we don't, we don't revere an artist as much anymore. My generation doesn't because we see that any everybody makes art. You know, our art is so widespread. We don't care about uniting ourselves behind any one of them because there's so much variance among many different forms of art. Uh, so we don't unite ourselves behind an identity, really. But it's kind of like you have to show that I feel like it's more important for you to show that you look embarrassed if you're in my generation or you have to really not take yourself seriously in order to be popular to people in my generation is kind of the thing because it would be more understood that nobody is above like, yeah, I don't know. I 
I don't want to appeal only to people that are my age, but it's kind of like more people that are my age don't see other people as above other people. We just think all the art is the same or all like we understand differences in people more so, I would say. Um, but the same way that I sometimes show I'm a conservative, I sometimes show that I'm more in support of like a my age or younger generation. Like, but that's just, that's just what my identity is. I would, uh, like, there's some things I guess you can't escape from. Like, I think I'm a conservative and I think I, uh, but I don't know, maybe I could be a liberal one day. People can change, you can change from conservative to liberal though. That's a thing. It's not like you're always a conservative. Like, yeah, it's not like you're always a conservative, but I don't, the liberals aren't doing anything to get me on their side. They really, they're, what is their party anymore? Like, what is the semblance of their party? The Democratic Convention sounds like a total joke to me. It sounds like it's, from what I get, it's very tone deaf, but that's just what the Democratic Party is now, and that's what Joe Biden is now. Joe Biden's a great representation for them because he's the only one as tone deaf as the Democratic Party. And Kamala Harris that's uh that's a really democratic party move i would say when the democratic party is in total control of who's the vice president and the president doesn't have any say they pick kamala harris because that's who they were propping up beforehand anyway she was already she was already number one on their list from the beginning the democratic party they always wanted kamala harris because she just checks boxes for them they don't care a lick about her content or her policies they just like that she's an african-american woman and that's that's the entire reason for her being the vice president and so they make it entirely about race and gender in order to pick a vice presidential candidate for joe biden because that's what you have to do when that's the only reason for kamala harris being there but I wonder how bunk the polls are this time around, or if they're real. Who knows? Who, who knows if uh, Biden or Trump win? Um, but yeah, like my generation does is more interested in embarrassment for those reasons. There's this horror movie that I watch that it's like it kind of it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. It's called Terrifier. Um, and it's a new one. It's like made in 2017, but it's a good movie because it has a, it's, I'd say it's a good movie because it combines embarrassment and horror, which is like where you would go in the direction of the horror genre if you wanted to evolve it with the culture or, uh, yeah, in my opinion, or at least, or at least it's more interesting to make horror movies that involve embarrassment to some degree because you never think of those two you never think of those two attributes together like you would not want your horror to mix with embarrassment because that would be even more horrific so it's like uh it's like if you evolve horror in the direction of embarrassment like that's kind of a way that it was going anyway because because it is more horrific the more embarrassing it is it's like that is uh what it needs to incorporate in order to produce a lot of good art uh but this movie terrifier is about a clown that kills people but like uh not not a typical uh lots of colors clown face paint on him he just has black and white paint and uh whatever person that they got to do it just uh plays the part really well but his name is art the clown and basically he doesn't just kill people like he'll kill people but he also kind of embarrasses them by like it's a it's a slasher movie he also embarrasses them by mutilating their their corpses um but uh yeah so now you know what kind of weird movie what kind of smut that i watch on tv but like i i like horror movies but this one is a it's a popular horror movie it's like uh it's not some indie it's not some independent film that i watch it's like uh it's popular you can watch it on netflix if you like horror movies um but it combines horror and embarrassment because art the clown is just a is a real jerk like 
Art the Clown is a real deviant that you would especially not ever want to meet because he just has no morals. Like, he's way outside of the bounds. Like, the evil, the antagonist, the evil character in this movie is just so, uh, is outside the bounds of what you think is even imaginable for evil in a person is why terrifier is so good but it kind of like in order for you to capture that idea that you capture the idea of unimaginable evil or like unimaginable occurrences in the world you have to and you're doing that as selling it as a horror movie you have to capture what is horrific to the world at this given point in time and i'd say that that movie is capturing some amount of embarrassment because that's like uh that's something that we're interested in consuming in my generation we're interested in consuming like the embarrassment of other people or just propping up people that are embarrassing like Kawhi leonard is the most popular nba player or something like that because he's so awkward like we celebrate awkwardness but we used to be uh subject to it more we used to be subject to embarrassment uh my generation maybe through the tv shows we watch like maybe nickelodeons in the 90s 2000s type of tv shows that uh emphasize some amount of embarrassment or like at least at least presented you a uh a uh really boxed in picture like a really limited picture of what life is that didn't allow you to embrace embarrassment or something like maybe my generation used to be subject to it and now we take part in embarrassing somebody like we take part in embarrassment by embracing somebody who's awkward like a Kawhi leonard like we're interested in people that are awkward more so like that's a quality that but in the same reason the same reason why we why the office is the most popular show to us because we embrace michael scott as a character mostly like that's that's the most important part of the show but it's he always embarrasses himself in the worst way possible in a way that you would never want to in a position he's always in a position you'd never want to find yourself in at work like after you after you call somebody old in front of everybody and nobody thinks it's funny or something like he meets he does all of those for you so that you can see that and just think it's funny but see that it's a possible situation because it's just portrayed to be in a regular office you know that's why people can't get enough of michael scott because it's like it gives them a simulation of real embarrassment like real social awkwardness like that that they never get to experience like uh is why people like michael scott so much but why people like lots of comedy like that like always sunny it's always sunny in philadelphia all those characters are constantly embarrassing themselves with their narcissism and they're just like out in public doing crazy things because they thought that they were right about stuff like that that uh that show is popular because people like to see uh people be totally wrong and embrace it or like they like to see characters that have to live through a situation where they are entirely incorrect but uh still going about things as if they have the proper motivation because like the people who would more likely say that it's always sunny in philadelphia is their favorite show are people that are more interest are more horrified by somebody being like abjectly wrong is somebody who likes it's always sunny in philadelphia the most because because they're horrified by somebody who they're horrified by being entirely wrong you know and they like to see themselves in something like that but like both of those are embarrassment like you could describe both of those as embarrassment the social awkwardness and being entirely wrong in in society like just with your decisions making decisions that are based on faulty principles or like having no logic or uh sensationalizing things or being paranoid about things enough that you just run in some entirely wrong direction like some people are horrified by that idea and uh i don't know parks and recreation i don't know what you find horrifying about it but that's just like a group of people that are really modest parks and recreation let me see if i can fit that in with this embarrassment narrative that i'm slinging for you like parks and recreation is about the modesty of a group of people like they're trying to make it work they're really kind-hearted like they have all the right motivations the group of people that works in the pawnee government whatever the parks and recreation department uh it's just that they have these flaws that like the rest of the world would typically see as a flaw like uh ron swanson being a gun nut and uh 
being a libertarian or whatever and like not liking the government like other people would see that as a flaw but they paint him as like really kind-hearted like he has all the right motivations even though he's a conservative or whatever and so that's kind of a new picture that people don't always get to see and uh like it's kind of it kind of paints a picture of modesty and kind-heartedness within government that people don't understand you know like that people don't ever see in real life so it kind of presents a world that is foreign to them just parks and recreation because it's about a department in the government that really cares but like uh like it also emphasizes the like it emphasizes the problems in government too that the department that does care just is uh hindered by all these regulations and then when she gets elected and when she gets elected to city council then she gets deposed from city council because she's like the only one that wanted to uh get the city on track but that just didn't jive with a government headed in the opposite direction of her but like a city influenced by the media like uh like the city got on her and voted her out but that's just because of the publicity surrounding her was false so it's like it's a critique on government and media but that you would like find uh genuine people that want to do the right thing in a in a government department is a foreign idea to people so they like that so i guess that one's just kind of different or at least i don't know how i'd say that that's like embarrassment <laughs> it's probably not like there's there's lots of different there's lots of different art forms that are being reflected today. Lots of different uh, kinds of art. But, but yeah, it's just like horror and it's horror and embarrassment. But like embarrassment is kind of a new take on horror the same way that horror is like related to comedy a little bit. Like the same way that you'd relate horror to comedy, but I'd say that Tim and Eric, if you know who they are, they make a lot of Adult Swim shows. They're kind of more like somebody in my generation would be more interested in their comedy, but most people in my generation know who they are. Like Tim and Eric definitely capitalize off of the bridge between horror and comedy. They have a show called like Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories, but they're like horror stories that are, that they make funny because their humor is dark, like dark humor is kind of what i'm talking about like the link between embarrassment and uh horror so i guess i'm kind of saying that dark humor is what would be the new humor or what uh humor would most evolve to seeing as that dark humor ex uh kind of speaks to a mix between embarrassment and horror but a mix between comedy and horror really like and Tim and Eric make a lot of comedy horror type of stuff, but mostly most of their content is comedy. It's just darker and stranger, like uh, stuff that is too foreign to you to for you to accept. So it is kind of horrific in some senses. Uh, but like that's a way that comedy is evolving, and I'd say that like Tim and Eric type of comedy is more reflective of memes in its randomness, uh, and yeah, like in its randomness and embarrassment itself would speak to a randomness of sorts it speaks to something that you can't control like if you get embarrassed it was because of something out of your control you know because you would have controlled it you would have made it so that you weren't embarrassed if you could and so if you got embarrassed like that was something out of your control generally speaking the same way that something that random is out of your control uh something that's random is out of your control so it's like you can kind of see how a fear of randomness in the in the older generation has uh related itself to a fear of randomness in my generation or like a fear of embarrassment it's kind of like randomness is a little bit at the heart of embarrassment too but like a specific kind of randomness is an embarrassment it's like an embarrassment that people can point out like you got embarrassed because this happened like it's an embarrassed if you get embarrassed it's in a certain it's in one activity or in one area or like i don't know I think my generation is interested in being embarrassed or like they just more of a fascination with it or they want to celebrate embarrassment is kind of what is the whole thing I'm saying. Like they want to celebrate embarrassment because they don't want to be subject to it. But it's like uh, you I feel like uh, 
freedom. You get freedom from not feeling subject to embarrassment. So maybe it's like the generation above mine is always inherently subject to embarrassment. And it's only at this point that we, uh, as a society have realized, have been able to define embarrassment to be a certain set of things that we're like approaching it now. Like I feel like my generation acknowledges and approaches embarrassment more than the generation above mine. And so therefore it's like one of the motifs central to my generation that they approach and have to conquer. Like it's one of, it's like a central villain to us or something is the ability to celebrate embarrassment because I feel like a lot of people my age maybe just my age or younger they just uh they aim to celebrate embarrassment in some way so as to say that they are victorious over it but like uh but they would people would only feel that way because embarrassment maybe has been presented to us more it's just like uh something we have a greater comprehension of it's like i'm just saying my generation comprehends embarrassment better and so therefore has to it's more a part of our lives not so much that it's like the main thing or like the artistic it's not like the artistic uh thing i mean the same way that it's not like the only art in the older generation was for horror or like crime scene shows i'm just saying that was just a important uh that was an important part of it an integral part of it the same way embarrassment is an integral part of uh the the content that my generation consumes but it's just because we comprehend it more and more interested in it or something like that uh but thanks for listening and then uh, like i told you before i'm just going to cut out these podcasts now and um i gotta i'm gonna put my next thing i gotta do is put these episodes on youtube i think i'm just gonna use the youtube channel i already have because i have some subscribers on there and that'll be easier and uh, I got to just put all those on there and, uh, you know, just not over, not try to do lots of things with it at one time. But yes, yes. Thanks for listening.